that talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to your Tuesday Buckeye Talk. Douglas Maurice, Nathan Baird, Stephen Means. Not on purpose, and I don't know if you guys want to hear this, not on purpose, but I slept for 12 hours. So I missed everything that happened. I wake up. Jamison Williams is on Alabama's roster. I'm delirious. I don't know what's happening. You know how it is. Like, I mean, I slept like four hours, three, the three previous nights. You know, I didn't sleep 12 hours combined for three days. And then I caught up all at once. And I also feel refreshed, but I also feel like an unfrozen caveman to some extent. Right, Nathan? I mean, like when you sleep the 12 hours, the world passes you by, including Jamison Williams, you know, getting a new life, man. There are plenty of nights where I should do that, where I should, you know, I'm going to bed at like, you know, one or 2 a.m. And I should probably just turn the alarms off. But I'm always terrified at what could happen at 9 a.m. So I'm up. I'm awake at 9 a.m. And then usually have alarms that go off like every half hour after that, even if I'm staying in bed, just because I have to keep checking to make sure something hasn't happened. That is literally what Vegas Sports Rider is. Literally, it's the moment you don't have those alarms is when something happens. I'm living my best columnist life, man. I don't have to worry about news. I'll just come back four days later and opine on it. Let you guys wake up. I'm too old for this. I am too old. Nathan, what, how old are you, Nathan? 42. You're 42. That's still significantly younger than me. I'm 47. So that five years is a big difference. You know, when I, was in, when I was in sixth grade, you were in first grade. We wouldn't have been like hanging out. So like five years. 42 from 37 seems big to me. I wish I could. I wish I were 37. So yeah. mm. mm. Stephen loves when we do this. When we were wishing we were in our mid 30s and Stephen's like, I, mid 30s is like a grandpa to me. Well, so no, I, I mean, I just turned 27, so I'm getting there. I'm getting close. So uh, we'll get to Jamison Williams picking Alabama in a second and Kai Stokes, the latest Ohio State recruit. But it is, it wipes me out. Like weekends like this, like Big Ten championship game weekend, bowl stuff like when you have like the nights in a row where you're not sleeping and you're up in your weird hours, like I, it takes me more than like a day to recover. Like it's going to, I'm not going to be back to normal. till like Thursday. Right, Nathan. Right. But are you, are you with yes. me? Are you in that old person realm with me? Or are you like, no, 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 no. I'm only 42. I can bounce back immediately. No, no, no. I definitely feel it. When I covered basketball, you know, there's always this rush that leads into the NCAA tournament. And then you get through like selection Sunday and then there's like, you know, the whole week that builds up to that. Sometimes you're traveling, which even in the first round, sometimes means getting on a plane. Usually by if your team happens to win its first round game, then usually by the second round game, you're just like, let's get done with this. I don't need to cover a final four. Let's, let's be done with this soon because you're just a zombie. And then the, and then if your team wins, then then you are just a zombie at the start of the next week and just carries you on as long as that team keeps playing. And then and, and those experiences you're talking about are very similar, you know, um, around the bowl game and things like that. So. Um, I, it, like I was saying on the pod the other day, like the, the draft feels like the end of something. It feels like the full end of the previous season in a way that the, even the national championship game didn't feel like the end the national championship game always leads into a bunch of questions. Who's coming back. Who's not what's happening in the spring. And then the, end, the finality of the draft really is something. And now you get to kind of take a breath. So I, I, I feel a little bit rejuvenated actually today. That's good. Okay. So we can talk about Jamison Williams. So Ohio State, this is this is interesting how the portal is going to work. And we'll get into 
how Jamison Williams, Ohio State, former Ohio State receiver, fits into the Alabama receiving room. But I was texting with you know one of my my friends who covers uh, Alabama, and I got some information from him about how this is all going to work. But he was referencing the fact, and, and we all know this, Nick Saban with this portal stuff had been saying the good players from the good teams aren't going to transfer, right? Like that's not who it's going to be. So if you are getting a player from a big time program, you're not getting the best guy, right? Like Garrett Wilson is not in the portal. Now, if, you know, if there's a coaching change or there's a personality conflict or certain or something, maybe every now and then you'll get one of those, but that's not what the portal is really going to be about. The portal is going to be about teams taking, and I don't mean to say this and it's not, listen, Jamison Williams is a top 100 recruit, but he lost his job here. I mean, like it's just, he's not a starter here. So I'm not going to use the word leftovers, but it's not, it's not Ohio state's best, but then it does get interesting. It's like, okay, well, who's going to not, who's going to take the guys who aren't, who aren't the top level guys at Ohio state, who are the second level guys at Ohio state. Mookie Cooper never got a chance to show anything, but he saw the writing on the wall and got out of here quick and went to Missouri. That made sense. Nathan, the idea that like, hey, this guy really doesn't have a spot at Ohio State anymore, but he's going to Alabama is a little weird to wrap your head around. And by the way, we'll get into this in a second. He's probably going to start for Alabama this year. This is a little bit of a weird one. So the thing that I've been kind of bouncing around in my head today is like, okay, if Chris Olave had not existed last year, if if they had if for whatever reason, like he had gotten, he just decided to go to the NFL because he could before last year, whatever, just some alternate reality. Would Jameson Williams have had like some tier of all big 10 season as a receiver in that offense? No, I don't think so. I mean, I, I think, don't think so either. Yeah. No, Steven, I, do you I, think so? I, no, I think Garrett just would have been a finalist for the Belent Lakoff because I, I mean, this Jameson Williams skill set still is what it is. And that's the thing that I've been coming back to. It's it's yes, the opportunity here was limited. He had kind of a niche in the offense. And then that even got pushed aside when they did what they did, feeling like Jackson Smith and Jigba was more dynamic and needed to be on the field more. So the opportunity is part of it. But I, I do still think that there is a ceiling on his skill set, as Stephen puts it, that makes me think he probably just has a very similar future at Alabama. I will say this, though. He's going to get a full year of development. He, he is, was with Ohio State for all 15 spring practices. He didn't get that last year. And now he's going to go through a fall camp with Alabama. So he'll at least have a normal year of development that he didn't have. I just think last year his skill set was still the same as what it was when he was a true freshman, still learning how to play wide receiver. So That's because right. of everything that went on, he was the perfect third starter as a guy where it's just, hey, just run down the field and – once every so often, we're going to throw you a deep ball because they covered Garrett and Chris pretty well. Now that he's had a normal season, maybe there's a development level where it's not good enough to play at Ohio State, but in a room like Alabama's, as we're going to get into, he'll be the number one or number two receiver. It, it's sometimes things just run like in cycles. People always talk about that in recruiting, right? Everything goes in cycles. And I do think that there is a way this actually makes sense based on the cycles that happened in receiver recruiting at Ohio state and at Alabama. And I think that's, that's a particular reason why this makes sense. The, the weird thing, not weird is that we had, we had talked about Jamison Williams as sort of like the John Mechie 
of the Ohio State offense. That John Mechie last year was like the deep ball threat, although Waddle still averaged more yards per catch. Jalen Waddle for Alabama last year before he got hurt, 21.1. He's a missile. Mechie, 16.7. Devontae Smith, 15.9. That's yards per catch. Ohio State's offense, Jamison Williams did lead them in yards per catch at 17.1. Garrett Wilson, 16.8. Chris Olave, 14 point something. So I do think, but like when you watch Mechie's highlights, it's like deep balls. Like that's what Jamison Williams did. I will be curious to see how they sort of work together because he goes into that room potentially as the number two receiver behind John Mechie. And I have all the numbers and the recruiting rankings for everybody in every room. But Nathan, to your point, I mean, I guess Mechie's, I mean, Mechie's the number one guy, obviously. He's going to expand his route tree and do some more things and be like that, that number one guy who can go deep or go over the middle. And I think they just might slide Jamison Williams, right? Like, hey, John Mechie, you become Devontae Smith. Jamison Williams, you come in and you be John Mechie, and I think that's my, how that might be how they roll. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I, I didn't look that that deep into there, but but it was pretty obvious that they losing Smith and Waddle opens up opportunity there. You had he had a choice between two premier programs, but one where he could see from the inside that there was a lack of opportunity, and another. Um, even the higher level, higher tier program where there just happens to be more opportunity to his position. I mean, there's a little bit of a correlation here with Trey Sermon where a year ago, Trey Sermon, you know, everybody, every Ohio state fan would consider themselves this program, Ohio state's program to be superior to Oklahoma's, but Ohio state desperately needed Oklahoma's kind of cast off running back to come here and kind of save that position in a way. And it didn't, completely work out according to plan but by the end of the season it did so that's something to keep in mind before if there's any Ohio State fans that want to gloat a little bit too much about this is Ohio State's been down this road before sometimes it just positionally things sync up this way I think it's a great comparison I hadn't thought of that but that is exactly how it works and Stephen that's another part of how I think we're going to have to get used to this stuff that most of the time it's not going to be top tier guy to top tier top tier guy I'm going to say this. It's not going to be a guy from a top tier program to another top tier program. Although Trey Sermon did it, obviously Justin Fields did it, right? It was like, oh, Justin Fields can't get on the field of Georgia. My God, he saved Ohio State's program, right? So those still will be, I think, the exception to the rule. I don't think they're going to be like 1% of transfers, right? Because we just named two other examples that happened each in the last couple of years. There'll be maybe one or two or three a cycle, right? Where it's top tier program to another top tier program. Most of the time it won't do that. But it is going to be, it's almost like, and I was joking with the Alabama guy, hey, like maybe Alabama could send a left tackle up here in, in return, right? Make it a trade. It's what good teams do. If you actually could make trades in college football, which is one of those things people like to do in offseason pods, what trades would you make? It's almost going to function like that, Stephen. Listen, like all these, all these, these five or eight teams are all really good. But one team has a little bit of a surplus here and another team has a little bit of a surplus there. And there will be a little bit of an interchange for in the in the immediate eligibility world among those teams the tier one and tier two teams are going to be able to you know basically cover up each other's recruiting misses because i don't care how great of a program you're you're going to have misses sometimes it happens you don't want to make a habit of it but every so often you'll have a class where maybe things are a little bit lower and there's usually some context of ways you can explain it but that's what Trey Sermon was, right? Ohio said it had some misses at running back and so they had to go get a guy like that and so they went to Oklahoma 
we're going to get into it. Alabama, they've had they had some recruiting misses, so they had to go get a guy like Jamison Williams from Ohio State. So that that's where it's it's not necessarily a, a one for one trade, but it's hey, we had a miss here, and you've got a surplus over there. Come on over here, where instead of being the fourth or fifth guy on the rotation on the roster, you can be number one or number two. If Chris Olave had left, would Jamison Williams still be here? I don't think Jamison Williams would be the starter, though. I think I think they would have been lining up. Now, listen, J- Julian Fleming was out this spring, was not full participant this spring, so maybe Jamison Williams would have gotten some more snaps. He might still be here, but I don't think he would start in the fall, right? That if, if you thought, well, it, maybe it would be Julian Fleming or maybe Marvin, Marvin Harrison Jr. I don't think he was that good last year. I just don't think he was good enough to like assume that he would just slide up. As we talked about when he transferred, it's like it's it's a little bit of proof here that like if you get your chance to start and you don't hit, the world's coming for you. So I think it's two different questions, right, Nathan? One is, well, would he have a job? And the other is, would he be gone? I think maybe he would have had to stick around longer to figure out for sure he didn't have a job based on the fact that Marvin Harrison Jr. is a true freshman and Julian Fleming wasn't full go, right? I don't know. If 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 he Chris Olave more maybe more opportunity but less clarity. Yes. I agree with that. He might have had just enough opportunity to be confused enough to still stay. <laughs> right. I'm not so sure, honestly, and maybe this is wrong. If Chris Olave had gone to the NFL, are we sure that G Scott would be a tight end? Right? Like, like every yeah. – talk about Buckeye fly effect. We know that. I mean, every one guy's move, right, affects every everybody else because you think you have a plan. Now, the thing in college football – we can fall into the trap of being like, well, it's going to be A, then B, then C, and it's all going to line up. And a million things happen. Guys don't develop. Guys get injured. Surprise guys that you didn't count on, like Chris Olave, become stars. So it's never as easy as recruiting makes it look. But I don't know. Steven, do you think he'd still be here if Chris Olave had just gotten picked at number 27 in the first round by the Baltimore Ravens? Would, would Jamison Williams be saying, good luck to Chris Olave? while anticipating he would be here as a starter? I'd say yes. I still think G. Scott becomes a tight end. I think that was coming anyway, um, just because of the way they described why it's happening. I think if Chris Olave is gone, there's a better chance of Jamison Williams, even if he's not the starter, he has more snaps because the the gap between he and Julian Fleming isn't the gap that's between he and Chris Olave. And so instead of it being 90-10, for the second string guy, maybe it's 60-40. So it's just – it's more – it put to the point of it's more opportunity. There is no starter. It's two co-starters sharing that position. One guy just – if one guy gets six of, the, of every ten sna- uh, snaps and the other guy gets four of them. But I, I think he'd still be here because the opportunity to put up numbers could still exist. That's the important thing to remember about the Jameson Williams situation is that it's not just that he lost his starting job. It's that we weren't sure he was the second string guy anymore. Yeah. And, and that's an important thing to remember in, in his equation. And it was uh, the reason I brought that up was kind of going to something Steven said about how sometimes you're recruiting misses, um, even for a great program, create these opportunities. Sometimes you're recruiting successes, create these opportunities too. Because Chris Olave would have been a three-star guy who turned into an NFL first-round draft pick after three years. That wasn't something that was necessarily expected. It's a little – that's a little – um, awkward just because of how they've recruited that room. It's not like it would have left a gap in the receiving room necessarily in the same way that we think of like the gap at running back last year, but that would have been a recruiting success would have created the opportunity that might've kept James Williams here. All right. Let's talk about why he picked Alabama. And I have some numbers on 
recruiting rankings of the receivers in Ohio State's room versus recruiting rankings of the guys in, in Alabama's receivers room. And we'll do that right after this on Buckeye Talk. Doug Maurice with Nathan Baird and Stephen Means. Try the text at 614-350-3315. It's the offseason. As Nathan said, this is officially the offseason now. Draft is over. But sometimes when there's not a lot of obvious things happening with Ohio State football, you like a little reminder to keep you connected to your team. I mean, it's it's a different experience on texts in the offseason. But I think it can be just as worth it, right? Just as worth the four bucks a month because there's not – a gazillion stories and there's not it's like like what are you guys going to talk about it's like we're going to figure stuff out to talk about and text about and keep it interesting and you know it's not as obvious to you so i think there's value in the off-season text if you never tried it 614-350-3315 you get a 14-day free trial okay the alabama receiver room alabama just finished the greatest receiver run in college football slash nfl draft history I didn't look it up, but I mean, what could be better? In 2017, these were Alabama's top three receiver recruits. They, in 2017, Alabama got four receivers who were ranked among the top 100 players in the country. Number 21 was Jerry Judy, who went in the first round of the draft last year. Number 62 was Devontae Smith, who won the Heisman and went in the first round of the draft this year. Number 75 was Henry Ruggs III, who went in the first round of the draft last year. And the fourth guy was somebody named Shavers. I don't know who that is, but Tyrell Shavers. Does he? What happened to him? I don't think he's still on Alabama's roster. I think he's there. The Mookie Cooper. No, he. Yeah, he's in the transfer portal. He's there. Mookie Cooper. Okay, so stuff happens. Nobody goes one hundred percent. And then in the class of twenty eighteen, <laughs> Jalen Waddle is the number thirty nine overall player in the country, and he just won at number six in the first round. So that's five top one hundred receivers in two classes, and four of them developed into first round picks. Okay. I'm trying to spell this out so you guys can, every, the listeners, everyone can follow here. That's the class of 17 and 18 for Alabama. Okay. That's, that's before Jamison Williams's class. Ohio State in those two classes had two receivers who were ranked among the top 100 players in the country. They had Trayvon Grimes, who was number 41 player in 2017. He transferred. They had Jalen Gill, who was the number 30 player in 2018. He transferred. So while Bama is getting five top 100 receivers and hitting big time on four of them. Ohio State's getting only two top 100 receivers and missing on both of them, okay? Into that breach steps Chris Olave. Opportunity out the wazoo, right? I mean, when he started playing as a freshman in 2018, Paris Campbell and Terry McLaurin and Johnny Dixon and Austin Mack were around. Austin Mack's injury opened it up for Chris Olave, but then there was opportunity beyond that. Okay, so Olave had a lot of opportunity. 2019 class. Now we're getting to modern the modern day because like nobody from the 2017 or 18 classes is left really at either school other than Olave. Some Slade Bolden guy. I don't care about Slade Bolden. We got to talk about him, I guess, a little bit later. 19 class, the 19 class of receivers. Ohio State gets two top 100 receivers. Garrett Wilson's number 20 player. Jamison Williams is number 82 player. The 2019 class, I looked at it three times. Alabama only gets one receiver in that class at all. And it's John Mechie, who is number 275 as a player, and he's the only guy. And now he's going to be their number one receiver this year. Okay? So John Mechie is not Garrett Wilson. 
So that's one thing. Okay, now in 2019, Ohio State, Alabama in 17 and 18 has better receiver recruiting than Ohio State does. In 2019, Ohio State has better receiver recruiting than Alabama does. Now we get to 2020, which is the class one below Jamison Williams, the young guys coming up on it. Ohio State gets four top 100 receivers. We know it. Julian Fleming's number three. Jackson Smith, the Jiggler's 29. G. Scott, 66. Mookie Cooper's 93. Mookie Cooper and G. Scott are no longer an issue, but Julian Fleming and Jackson Smith, the Jigba are taking Jamison Williams' snaps from him. Jackson Smith Smith Najigma's development helps move Garrett Wilson outside. Wilson takes Jamison Williams' starting spot, and Julian Fleming is also a factor, right? Again, Ohio State and the class of 2020, their top, their receiver recruits, 329, 66, and 93. Alabama gets three receiver recruits in the class of 2020. None of them are ranked higher than 144. So in a world where you know, Alabama was getting top 100 receivers like crazy. In the class of 2020, they get Tiu, and I spent 10 minutes looking up pronunciations on these guys. Tiu Jones Bell is number the number 144 player. Javon Baker is the number 200 player, and Treshawn Holden is the number 235 player. That's the class younger than Jamison Williams. If you're Jamison Williams, would you rather compete against those three guys, or would you rather compete against Julian Fleming and Jackson Smith Najigba? Right. And then in 2020, the class 2021, the classes are similar. Ohio State gets three top 100 guys. Alabama also gets three top 100 guys, but they're all true freshmen. Right. But with his own eyeballs, Jamison Williams saw what Marvin Harrison Jr. can do. Emeka Ekbuka, number nine for Ohio State. Marvin Harrison Jr., number 96. Jalen Ballard, number 98. For Alabama, Ja'Cory Brooks, number 26. Ajai Hall, number 44, and Christian Leary, number 74. But I don't know that you're that worried about true freshmen taking your job if you're Jamison Williams, right? And, and then it's the devil you know versus the devil you don't. If you're worried about any of them, you're worried about Marvin Harrison Jr. because you were just watching him in every drill being like, man, that guy's good. The coaches seem to like that guy. So the main thing is in 17 and 18, Alabama had better receiver recruiting. But at Alabama, they're all gone. In 19 and 20, Ohio State had better receiver recruiting, and they are taking snaps from Jamison Williams. And by the way, the only guy at either school that matters really from the 17 or 18 class is Chris Olave, who's the out-of-nowhere guy that changed the calculus for Jamison Williams as well. So that is a long, convoluted, perhaps not interesting, perhaps not clear explanation of what's happening. Nathan, the bottom line is Ohio State's receivers room right now is significantly better than Alabama's. Because Alabama just ended the Ruggs, Judy, Smith, Waddle run. That is unbelievable. And Stephen, I want to ask you this in a second, but that's just the reality, Nathan. And that reality is why Jamison Williams was like, I, I'm getting out of here, but I'm going there when in every other way, Alabama is a better program than Ohio State. But he actually, we can see the chance to play there for, for Williams is higher. And go back two years, James Williams was being recruited by Alabama, right? Like he had, I think, an offer from Alabama. It was one of the places he considered. At that time, when that stack of guys was at Alabama, it probably seemed like a better path to playing time at Ohio State. Like there are things that have just changed in those two years. And I think that's one of the other dynamics I think we're going to see in the future with the immediate transfer rule is that you not having to sit out that year, it allows kind of both sides of an equation like that to reevaluate and 
make a different decision than after the facts have changed in the course of those two years. So, Stephen, the thing I, I don't know if you have a handle on, we don't cover Alabama. We're not going to pretend we cover Alabama. But Alabama, 2017, four top 100 receivers. 2018, one. 2019, none. 2020, none. 2021, three. Do you think it did having all the receiver talent in 17 and 18 make it harder for Alabama to recruit receiver talent in 19 and 20, which opened the door for Jamison Williams to say, hey, there's an opportunity there. Or do you know of, was there a guy that they were in on that they missed on at the last minute that is like Jamison Williams is now a patch for that? Just like, again, if we don't know, that's okay. We don't cover it. But mm. the reason Trey Sermon is came to Ohio State is because B. John Robinson didn't, right? We know that direct correlation. One recruiting miss opens a door for a transfer. I don't know maybe if there was one recruiting miss for Alabama that helped open the door for Jamison Williams. I don't know if there was a miss to that extent where like the BJ Bijan Robinson situation where it was clearly a silent commit who just didn't come. I mean, they offered 26 guys in the 2019 class and they obviously just decided to go elsewhere. Garrett Wilson and Jamison Williams being among that 26 guys. But I do think it just boils down to at some point, top receivers are going to look at your room and go, that's too crowded, right? That's just going to happen at some point in the class. Jalen, the fact that Jalen Waddle decided to join that class showed you how confident he was that he can go in there and earn a role. And he did as a true freshman, he had, he had some type of a role for Alabama, given what that situation was. So it also, it starts to make you think about Ohio state who's on that run that Alabama was on from 2017 to 2018, except they've extended that run now in the, you know, their third class now with Caleb Burton and, Keon Gray is already being committed in 2023. What happens? They've only offered four guys so far. One of them being the number one receiver, the number two receiver, the number seven receiver, the number 18 receiver. What is that where, as we saw with Alabama in 2019, where maybe Ohio state has some misses just because some of these guys look at that room and go, that's just too crowded and it's not worth it. Even in the, in the even in the era of the one-time transfer rule. I do think it is interesting to me. If, what happened in Alabama's receiver room in 17 and 18, where they had so much talent and then they didn't get as much talent in, in 19 and 20, I would say, right, that, that the comparison for Alabama's receiver room in 17, 18 and recruiting is Ohio State in 20 and 21. So then what is the effect on 22 and 23 if that does would if that would come to fruition? But you're saying, I mean, we already know Caleb Burton, we already know they have guys in 2022. They're also not here yet. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you never know. But I, I do think sometimes most of the time in recruiting, I do make an assumption that if you get a boatload of talent at a position, it will make it harder to get it in the next class because guys see. Right. And then coaches often will say, well, no, 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 no. Guys want the challenge. Everybody knows you got to fight for a job. And it's like, well, people have eyeballs. Right. So. Now, when Brian, if Brian Hartline can overcome that, right, then it's like, man, you are really doing a good job because three top 100 receivers, receivers every year just like does not make sense to me. And, and Nathan, I think to me, I, uh, it makes sense to Alabama. It was like awesome recruiting, awesome recruiting, a little eh, a little eh, awesome again. But I don't think that's a coincidence. I don't know Alabama recruiting, but it's, I just think it might be the nature of the beast and how this works. And then – it does. Now the portal's going to come in, right? I mean, because 
Because it's one thing to do it in recruiting. The thing about recruiting when you're doing that, it's like, well, you're projecting. Most like, why don't I come here? Because when I'm a sophomore, there's still going to be all these guys blocking me. And then the reality presents itself, right? And some guys didn't work out. Some guys transferred. Some guys changed position. Some guys went to the NFL earlier than expected. And all of a sudden, you're not projecting. It's right in front of you. There is an opening. And so that's where the portal is really going to start doing this. What Alabama is doing is patching a hole with an immediate guy, just like Ohio State with Jonah Jackson and Justin Fields and Trey Sermon patched immediate holes. We're just paying attention to it because they're patching it with an Ohio State guy. Yeah, I think that positional thing is a factor. It's not the same in football as it is in basketball, obviously, where you're only playing five to eight guys. Well, I guess maybe more like eight to ten guys. Five guys start. I mean, you've got you can start three receivers at a time, et cetera, et cetera. So it's not as much of a thing, but you can't tell me that a guy who isn't, you know, if you're considering coming in right behind one of these like stud freshman classes where they get three or four guys like that, and you know, yeah, I mean, yes, guys want that opportunity, but you may not realistically get that opportunity for two full years. Uh, James Williams got his opportunity though. Again, he, he had his chance and just got surpassed. Like, I don't know any other way to say it. I will say to, to that point of he got his chance, in 2017, those receivers at Alabama got their chance as well because freshmen are getting on the field now. That should be the to, to some extent, some freshman is going to get on the field. That 27, I mean, Jerry Judy was getting on the field. Devontae Smith caught the pass at two or through to win the national championship game. Uh, Henry Ruggs had some level of a role. So those top 100 guys got a chance to get on the field and they hit just like with Garrett Wilson. Jameson Williams didn't get on the field as a true freshman. And then he didn't show anything in his progression. So it leaves room for when the next batch of top 100 guys to get here, whoever that Jalen Waddle is in this situation is Jackson Smith, the Jigba to overjump you. Now, Jalen Waddle, once again, he established himself the same way we're seeing Jackson Smith and the Jigba do. So now you saw in 2019, okay, those guys got in here and they established themselves and doesn't look like I'm going to take this job. I'm going to go elsewhere. As long as it feels like you can take somebody's job, that's when you can consistently get top 100 guys every single year. So, and again, a lot of it now, I do think, I think when guys used to transfer in a sit-out world, you were still, okay, how do I say this? When you recruit, if you're trying to look at the depth chart, you're projecting, right? Because you're not really counting on, even if you're a five-star, you're not demanding to get on the field as a freshman. You're really looking at what's that depth chart going to look like in my second year and my third year. So you're projecting. In the old days of when you had to sit out a year as a recruit, you also still had to project. I'm going somewhere. I'm not playing right away, but what's it going to look like the next year in the immediate eligibility world? It's not about projecting. And the bottom line is there is no doubt about it. Jamison Williams has a better chance to play in 2021 at Alabama than he does at Ohio state. So now 22 and 23, who knows, but right now it's no, because Ohio state is bringing back it's top two receivers who are the two best receivers in the country. And they have Jackson Smith, the Jigba, who they really like. Here's what Alabama's bringing back at receiver. John Mechie, because of Waddle's injury, was their second leading receiver last year. He's back. He had 55 catches for 916 yards. Devontae Smith led them. He's not back. Waddle, even though he was hurt, was second among receivers. He's not back. Slade Bolden is back. He had 24 catches for 270 yards last year. Nathan, as you said, he's the guy that took over when Waddle was hurt. Slade Bolden was the number 495 overall recruit in the class of 2018. That was a little bit of a desperation play. I think they had to play somebody and they played him. 
No offense to Slade Bolden, who I also do think is related to uh, Statler Barnett the third. I remember throwing passes out in my granddaddy's yard to Slade Bolden. And I would say, Slade, you are the fastest man in the county. Good luck with the Crimson Tide. We're going to, at some point, you're going to have to just get a whole starting 22 of guys with names like that. And then we can go, how many games will this starting 22 win if you put them in the ACC? Uh, yeah. What a, what a, what a hodgepodge collected by Statler Barnett the third finished second in the ACC to the Clemson Tigers. So then, so Slade Bolden's back, whatever. And then here's who else is back among their receivers. Xavier Williams, who's in their 2018 class. He was 143. He had three catches last year. Javon Baker, who's the number 200 recruit, was a true freshman last year. He had two catches. And then Tyu Jones-Bell had one catch. So it's like it's John Mechie. It's Slade Bolden. And then it's these true freshmen that are, right, that like they maybe like, but none of them were top 100 recruits. None of them are Jackson Smith-Najigba. None of them are Julian Fleming, right? Like they don't have as much promise as those guys. So Alabama doesn't have two established guys like Olave and Wilson. They don't have two second-year guys like Fleming and Jackson Smith-Najigba which creates the perfect opportunity for Jamison Williams. So I do think Nathan in the end at first blush, it's like, what? The guy who couldn't play at Ohio state is going to Bama, but your Trey Sermon comparison is exactly right. And it's clear. It makes total sense for him to do this. Good luck to Jamison Williams. Yeah. And again, I just think as you kind of started the podcast by saying, I think this is going to be the new reality. I think you're going to see this more often in the future because it's going to be, again, somebody's, fifth or sixth option might fill somebody else pretty good's immediate need. And it's going to be immediate need. Now it's not something because in the past, when you had a, a gap like that, if you were thinking two years from now, we might have a gap. You don't need to fill it with a transfer. who has to sit out of here. You can do it through recruiting and, and it doesn't really behoove the recruit, the, the transfer potential transfer to do it. Now it's immediate. Now you can go right there and get on the field and catch balls. I do think it's possible that as we get into this more, more transfers will lead to more transfers. Does that make sense that if you're Tyu Jones Bell, who was, I saw, I said it wrong again, TIU. If you're TIU Jones Bell, who's the number 144 receiver recruit in the class of 2020, you were a true freshman last year. And you're looking at Waddle's going to be gone. Smith is going to be gone. Mechie's going to be the only guy back that I'm worried about. I'm going to be the number two receiver, right? Now they add Jamison Williams. Is TIU Jones Bell going to be like, what the heck? Right? Like, Maybe he'll transfer to Kentucky in a month, right? I, I wonder that, Stephen, that it's like you're a guy because everybody projects in recruiting. You project in recruiting. They bring in a transfer on top of you, and the result is that you transfer. I think that'll happen at least some. Yeah, I don't think – I mean, who gets hurt and who gets helped? I think everybody gets hurt a little bit and everybody gets helped in this situation because you can bring in – four or five stars, but you're only going to probably keep two. And those two five stars are going to go to another tier one program, which means the four stars that were on your roster because you brought in a five star is going to go to a lesser power five school. And then there's going to be guys at those lesser power five schools who go to non power five schools. And then guys who go to mid majors because of that. So there's going to be a trickle down effect because the top 50 player in the country couldn't get on the field as his original school and decided to transfer that throws everybody off. So it, it, in a way, improves the talent on everybody's roster 
even if it's a weird way to get there? No, I think it does. Right. I think because the, the, the best teams won't be able to stockpile quite as much and the trickle down effect, somebody will do it. We'll, we'll do it here. We'll be able to find something in the next two years where we can make like a, te- a nine transfer chain. Mm-hmm. Like Jamison William transferred to Alabama, which means TIU Jones Bell transfers to Kentucky, which means the guy at Kentucky transferred to Minnesota, which meant the guy at Minnesota transferred to Washington state, which meant the guy at Washington state transferred to Mexico state, which means the guy at New Mexico state, you know what I mean? Like, I do think that's going to happen. And I guess the, the thing in the end is if it matters, if this is a question, is that good quote good, or is that quote bad? I guess if it's players who are getting opportunities, it's good. But as you said, Stephen, it's both because initially you're feeling, you feel like you're being denied the opportunity by the transfer coming in on top of you, but then the freedom then allows you to go seek the next opportunity. So I, but it is a trickle down effect. Yeah. Everybody is both the, the good guy and the bad guy, except for the guy who starts it off and the guy who finishes it. Yeah. Well, if, if Ohio State gets the news it wants on Henry Toa Toa, we're going to f- see another example of this pretty soon, possibly. How many days? Because Ohio, Ohio State doesn't doesn't need inside linebackers. Like it's got inside linebackers now. Some that it thinks are pretty decent. It just might not have any that are as good as Henry Toa Toa. So then, what happens after that? Right, and again, it, like, but if Dallas Gantt transfers to Indiana, and then a yeah. linebacker in Indiana, tra- like, right? No, you're right. Mm-hmm. And that's we're not saying Dallas Gantt's going to transfer, but listen. Uh, like I'm sort of throwing out our rule about the transfer stuff because it's just going to be some, such, such a normal part of the thing that it's not like um, it. I felt like a little bit before that like transfers was like, well, it's like, it's like a touchy subject a little bit. Right. You know, and now it's just out in the open. It's just part of the deal because in recruiting, we talk about that. It's like, Oh, they're going to try to get this kid. If they don't get this kid, they might get this kid. That's what the transfer portal is going to be like. So it's not, it's no offense to anybody go seek your opportunity, but we're going to have eyeballs and brains and we're going to say hmm it looks like an opportunity maybe being taken away from somebody which means he may go seek one somewhere else that's the last thing a sentence he maybe go seek one somewhere else i'm not sure i'm speaking english all the way buckeye talk it's, it's the- <laughs> there it is all right good luck to jameson williams oh i want to end with this though do you, like so the joe burrow thing was very it felt in the moment very like a one-time thing to me that it was like he was here for a long time. And so when he transferred and had the greatest success that any player could have in college football, he was the most successful college football player of all time. I mean, undefeated national championship, Heisman Trophy, number one pick in the draft. That's the three things that everybody wants to do. And Joe Burrow did them all. Cam Newton did them, whatever. A couple other guys did them. Jamison Winston. Did I just say Jameson? Am I speak? I, I said Jameson Winston. I, yeah, honestly, okay. my brain's yeah, not functioning. There's, there's too many James with something after their name other than just be, being James. You got Jameson Williams and James Winston. So yeah, see, I apologize. Jameis Winston. Again, there are there are a select few guys, right? But Ohio State fans, it felt like at least I mean the majority of them never begrudged that. Never, and they had Dwayne Haskins, whatever. Like if Jameson Williams, Stephen catches a touchdown pass against Ohio state in a playoff game or Ohio state fans going to go crazy. Or are they going to be like, well, we have 
Marvin Harrison Jr. and Garrett Wilson and Julian Fleming and stuff happens, we get it? Or are they going to be pounding their heads against the wall? It's a very good comparison because, once again, it's a guy that you might have to deal with in the playoff, right? Ohio State was literally an interception away from having to deal with Burrow. And Alabama's not going anywhere. They're going to probably have to deal with Jamison. You got me saying it. I know, I can't. <laughs> Jamison Williams, if they, get to the, if they get to the playoff in the national championship game. And so I think they'll be happy, though, because like it's, it, it, it didn't hurt Ohio State. Your best options are still here in Chris and Garrett. He put his time in. He was here for two years, plus another spring, and it was clear, just like Joe Burrow, it was clear you weren't going to be the starter. So nobody got hurt here, and Jamison Williams gets a chance to go play somewhere else. And, I mean, the players clearly are still, you know, rooting for him. I mean, him and Garrett Wilson are almost like best friends. So that that probably plays into the role. It's not like he was a problem when he was here. If Jameson Williams catches a touchdown in a playoff game that Ohio State wins 52 to 24, Ohio State fans aren't going to care. But I think an, an, an element of the Joe Burrow equation is that Joe Burrow didn't go out and sling seven touchdowns on Ohio State in the national championship game, which could have happened. So and maybe that would have affected the way that some fans think about this in the long term, because it's, it's more abstract, even though he did lead them to an undefeated national championship among the Heisman. It's still a little bit more abstract than if he did it right in your face. All right, we'll come back and wrap up. This Buckeye talk with the latest recruit that Ohio State added. We'll do that next after this. All right, Stephen Means, we did a emergency pod several days ago because Ohio State lost a recruit in the class of 2022, and now they have added one on Sunday night to get back to 11 verbal commitments in 2022. What do we know about Kai Stokes? Yeah, Kai Stokes out of Florida, a lower-rated guy. Nathan and I, when we did a BFF talking about how sometimes Ohio State can set the standard for some of these recruiting rankings just by people they offer and people they land, he falls under that category of a guy who just might be a late riser. And that might be the story for a lot of guys in the 2022 class, as I texted our texters on Sunday evening, just because a pandemic took away a year for these guys to get seen and get evaluated. So there are a lot of guys out there right now who don't have composite rankings still in the 2022 class. And he's one of those. And you start to see it. He got some film on tape and school started coming Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Florida with basically the month of April was, Hey, let's offer Kai Stokes month because there was like a 14 day period where it seemed like another power five school was sending him an offer every other week. He didn't have a composite ranking when he committed, but now he's a number 675 player and a number 56 athlete in the country as a three-star. And I know that's not much to get excited about given the way Ohio state's recruiting, but that's someone to watch over the next six months as we get to signing day. Let's see if he can have maybe a Keon Gray's type rise where before Keon Gray's got his offer, he wasn't very high in the rankings. And now he's a borderline top 100 recruit and still moving up the charts. So that's what you should expect from Kai Stokes listed as an athlete, but he'll, he's expected to play safety here. And the, the safety role he'll play is what Josh Proctor was for the bulk of last season. And he, in other words, he's the Ronnie Hickman side of the bullet. You know, he's the, the guy who's built more like a defensive back who can, def- who can, you know, cover tight ends if necessary and stop the run as well. Not a deep safety, not a proctor replacement, no, or, no, a, or a bullet. Yeah, and somebody asked about that. How, what does adding a guy like this to who's going to be a safety, you know, do for you know Xavier Numpak, who's a top 100 recruit and their tops target to be that role? It doesn't do anything. They're still good with him because two different positions, both playing safety, but one's the single high and one's the more bullet. So, uh, I so th- we're coming off the NFL draft, and we'll get into this when we do some more draft wrap up stuff. We want to talk about in other pods this week, how the big 10 did in the draft, Michigan continues to have 
like a lot of players picked. And like, what does that actually tell us about the talent gap between Ohio State and Michigan? We want to get into that this week. But there's always this time in the draft where people start tweeting about like all the three stars and the two stars and the one stars who get drafted. But it's still silly because I have a sports source analytics or somebody was sending out stuff of like the percentage of guys drafted by star rating is still so much higher for five stars. It's always like, oh, look, you know, 21 five stars got drafted, but 111 three stars got drafted. It's like, yeah, because there's only like 50 five stars a year and there's 900 no, three stars. There's only like 30. 30, 30 to 35 every yeah, single year because it, it, it correlates the first with, round draft picks. Right. That's that's what it's supposed to kind of correlate to. So, so it, like it's, it's even more exclusive than that. The raw numbers are always going to favor that. But if you try, if you try to use the NFL draft to pretend that stars don't matter, you're an idiot because it reinforces that stars do matter. Because guess what? Five-star Chase Young at number two pick in the draft, like that kind of stuff happens all the time. It's not the only thing that happens but it is the most likely thing that happens. So I am not at all like trying to pretend that stars don't matter, but uh, uh, Nathan, part of what Steven was just saying is like, Hey, the guy's a three-star now Ohio state got in early. They got him like before the sort of the ratings catch caught up to what kind of player he is. Right. Like, does, do we care though? Like he's an Ohio state player. Does it matter? How much does it matter in the end? If he winds up as, the number 718 recruit in this class, or if he shoots up the ratings and winds up the number 86 recruit in this class. And, and like, it does matter because if, if, if he winds up as the number 714 recruit in this class, we're going to be like, well, he's the lowest rated guy in the class, but it doesn't actually matter in terms of him being here because either way he's going to be here. So I don't know. You can go down. I always defend talking about recruiting because it's fun. It's interesting. It provides parameters, right? It does help us talk about things, but I, but we also realize sometimes there's some goofy stuff in there. Ohio state fans should most care that he gets here and plays good football. Like <laughs> I hate to be like a complete sports war, but like they, Ohio state has to figure things out at safety long-term. Like they just do like it's it was an issue last year. It was a huge issue last year. We don't know for sure that they have safety figured out for this season. They've got to figure that position out long term, whether that is the the guys like Ronnie Hickman, who will spend some time at the bullet, whether that is your Josh Proctors and the other guys who play at the back end. But they've got to figure that out. So I think if you're an Ohio State fan, it, it's it added bonus if he climbs the rankings and helps you eventually be the number one class, which Ohio State still hasn't been able to do. That's an added bonus on top of if he comes here and actually plays good football. Because last year, there were five-star guys in the secondary who were not good enough to play in a bad secondary. And here's the thing. Here's where I do think stars serve the greatest purpose, which is why this kid is clearly going to move up in the rankings, Stephen, is what matters is you getting a player in recruiting that other very good programs also wanted. And if the stars, the stars reflect both innate ability as judged by the recruiting analysts, but also who wants you, who your offers are from. And if your offers are from Kentucky and Minnesota and Miami of Ohio and Ohio state gets you, well, maybe Ohio state sees something that other schools don't. And that, that matters too, but you didn't have to beat anybody for him. This kid, Steven had offers right from 
Georgia and Florida or whatever, LSU, like, yeah. like everybody in the SEC who was coming around on this guy. And then that's where the stars matter because Ohio State pulled a guy out of Florida that everybody in the SEC wanted. Oh, yeah. They pulled him out of four to five days after they offered him a scholarship while the rest of the SEC was also coming on board. The, the problem with the recruiting rankings is just it, it just shapes how you talk about a guy, not just with him, but just how you view the program. Because if let's just say Kai Stokes d- doesn't turn out to be another one of those stories of Ohio State got in early before the rise and he kind of sticks around the 500, 400 range. Well, then the story is less about, oh, they got this kid. Let's hope he turns into a great player. And it's more about, man, this is what they had to go scramble to find a guy to fill that spot. I'm a color. So decided to stay, stay home and play with his family. It's the same thing that we did with Mayan Williams with the 2020 class, where it's like, congratulations on getting this guy, but you stole him away from Iowa state because B. John Robinson, you know, decided to go elsewhere at the last minute. So it, it shapes the way you talk about when they're a lower rated guy, it's always, Oh, that guy's here because the guy you really wanted decided he didn't want to come anymore. While if this kid rises. It's more of a look at, Ohio State's, you know, recruiting staff and coaching staff once again finding a, a diamond in the rough. Okay. Um, I do want to do some, like, 2022 mock draft stuff in the next couple of days because we have already talked about on a pod where the guys we think could be picked, you know, in 2022, but I'd like to double back on that a little bit. And, Nathan, before we go, I just, I just want you to give – the, the listeners, the smallest tease about, listen, and, and I'm, I'm on mock drafts. I'm with mock drafts the same way I am with recruiting. It's fun. Sports is supposed to be fun. And I hate the old cranky guys who are always like, wow, I don't know. it's like, it's, can't we just have fun? Right. And like, I'm going to call out people who I think say ridiculous things, but listen, I mean, it's sports. It's something to talk about all year. And the thing that I've said a zillion times, that mock drafts and recruiting are the same thing is people love the future. And it's like, we do Buckeye retalkables and we look at the past. People love the future more than the past. And a lot of times they love the future more than the present. So don't be a grumpy old fart and be like, ah, oh, mock drafts are stupid. It's year round content. That is not just for clicks. It is for entertainment of fans. Right. And that's really cool, but don't be a dingleberry with, with your mock draft. It's the biggest it's the biggest what are you doing moment of a mock draft, Nathan, that I have ever, ever seen in my lifetime. And I hope the guy changes it in the next hour because it is an embarrassment for it to exist in the known world. So this was sent to me by a listener, Dory Zofin, who's a, a regular Buckeye Talk listener. And he sent this to me basically just to hear how you would react to it. I don't know. He didn't just send it to you. He felt like send this. He sent it to me. He wants me to bring it up so that you can just lose your noise on the on the pod. But uh, Yard Barker did a mock draft for the 2022 season, 2022 NFL draft. And they had several Ohio State players in there. Garrett Wilson's in there. Chris Olave was in there. Um, Zach Zach Harrison Harrison was in there. And my, I can't remember if Petit Frere or Munford was in there, but somebody from the offensive line was in there. A lot of obvious Ohio State candidates. Seven Banks. Seven Banks was in the, his yes. first round. Yeah. So that's that's a little bit of a reach, right? But uh, Seven Banks plausible, I suppose. He has a great season. Uh, at number 29 in the first round, he had – I can't remember which team it was. Do you guys remember? Do you have it in front of you? Oh, no, I know. It's the Green Bay Packers. I Green Bay Packers, that's right. The Green Bay Packers the selecting – 
selecting Marcus Hooker with the number 29 pick of the first round. And read, read what he wrote. Cause listen, this is a thing I've, I've, I love talking about this kind of stuff. National people, some national people, right. Are like really tapped in like Adam Schefter knows more than anybody. A lot of other people who wrote it right about like national sports don't know anything. And I could do a whole hour of national sports talk where I don't actually say anything. And this is such an example of like the mumbo jumbo that people type out that means nothing. Go ahead. Go ahead. Can you read it? And please, I also want to emphasize here that I'm we are not kicking Mark, uh, Marcus Hooker while he's down either. Hopefully he is getting things straight. No, no, this is, no, listen, this would but be I'm equally just, as this would be equally as funny if he hadn't had the had not got arrested. He was You're right. Yeah. So that's actually a fair point. Um, this is the, this is what he wrote, uh, slightly undersized by today's standards at safety hooker excelled after getting more playing time last year. Interesting standard for excelled. He's the younger brother of former Colts first round pick Malik hooker. That's a fact. So he's one out of two and has a chance to crack the first round with a strong 2021. <laughs> that, now, listen, he, got, listen. he did get the family lineage. Correct. Um, but I, I'm just astonished. And like, uh, the thing is, like, there's probably a lot of people who read that and don't understand how much that completely undermines any other word he writes in this whole thing. The, the thing is, that second sentence is 100% the reason why he's in this spot. It's, right. oh, Hooker, Ohio State, first rounder. Come on, man. All you got to do is type his name into Google real quick, and that'll solve your problem of putting that guy at number 29. Other than playing poorly – Losing yeah. his job, getting a DUI, and getting kicked off the team, comma, Hooker projects as a. I mean, it is, it is. I mean, listen, I know your your boss. I mean, your boss makes you do a mock draft or whatever. But like, I mean, but because I always say when people are doing mock drafts and stuff, what are they like? What's that guy doing? He's looking up Cleveland.com slash OSU and being like, oh, I got apparently do a mock- not. What? Yeah, <laughs> apparently yeah. not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just just to give him perspective, like he had he had uh, the Bengals taking Zach Harrison sixth. Again, that makes sense. Um, I'm, I'm scrolling down through it. So this isn't great podcasting. He had Chris Olave 13th to Washington. That would be fun uh, to reunite him with with Chase Young. Um, so like I guess he had, he had Garrett Wilson to the Eagles. So the Eagles who just drafted, just traded up to draft Devontae Monte, Smith yep. would then also take Garrett Wilson next year in this guy's mind. I don't it's know about weapons. that one. It's a lot of weapons in the, for Jalen Hurts. I guess, yeah. but um, the seven banks, Hurts. seven banks going uh, 22nd to uh, the Titans, where there is a connection. So that almost makes sense as the kind of place that might be most likely to draft seven banks because they would pick up the phone and ask Kerry Combs, and he'd be like, yeah, come get him. Yeah. So, um, but 29, I just, I can't, I can't even wrap my head around it. You you can tell when he started to run out of names. Like there's the clear, like, there's the clear national. It's not just a Malik Hooker. There's some other people like Bubba Bolden's on this list. He used to play high school with Tate Martell. Now their team, well, past teammates at Miami. There's the clear national guys that everybody. I mean, I could do a mock draft right now, and I could just throw Zach Harrison's name on there as a third year five star guy and Garrett Wilson and Spencer Rattler. But once you get to like twenty twenty one, it's like, hmm. But that guy has a lot of followers on Instagram. <laughs> Look, how many how many other like all conference safeties are out there across the country who you could have just randomly picked for that spot? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 
No, I mean, I'm not. We make mistakes on this podcast. We make mistakes in our stories. Everybody tries their best. This deserves ridicule, though. So we can have this guy come on if he wants to come on. And uh, he can just admit. I hope he just admits, like, I'm, I'm so, I was 4 o'clock in the morning. And my boss was like, Murray, where's your mock draft? And I was like, his brother's in the league. So and he's like a three-star recruit, too. I mean, it's not even. It's not, it was like, I well, don't. So it was Chris Olave. So, but I mean, right. it's, it, it's, but it, it's more about the performance than whatever his stars were. Yeah, but it's but like, even with, con- even with context, Malika, I mean, Marcus Hooker was legitimately a three star recruit. Chris Olave is a three star recruit because of circumstance. But just the idea of like, what, I, I don't know, what did he grab onto that led him here? Because it's not stats from last season, it's not the way people covering the team write about him. It's not like that he was a great recruit. It's clearly the only thing he grabbed onto, Stephen, as you mentioned, is his brothers in the NFL was a first-round pick. So what the heck? All right, we'll do a little more of that. I I did look at Matt Gould, our Matt Gould at Cleveland.com, put out a 2022 mock draft, and he did it a year ago, the same thing. And I went through how many first-rounders he got right when he did a mock draft the day after the draft ended. And listen, Matt Gould's a high school writer. He's not going to pretend he's an NFL expert, but he's doing the same thing everybody else does, which is like, well, here's a player who was great, right? This past year, I'll assume he'll be great again. And you start to project and he doesn't put the Marcus hookers of the world in his mock draft. So I do think it's an interesting exercise as long as there's a baseline level of competence associated with it. So we'll have some fun this week. I really do want to do the Michigan thing because Michigan is getting guys drafted, but they can't hang with Ohio State on the field. And I, I want to delve into that discussion through that lens so we'll do that this week buckeye futures friday coming later we're going to start getting back to either buckeye fly effects or buckeye retalkable some of this stuff um so as nathan said we're kind of on to the next year we appreciate you guys as always being part of it try the text at 614-350-3315 read cleveland.com slash osu drop us a review at apple podcasts for now on behalf of steven and nathan i'm doug and that was buckeye talk <laughs>